and and Moses in life and uh, Moses the person. So yeah, I mean the focus is on uh, yeah Moses. Last uh, week uh, the focus was uh, on women, uh, seven women who made it possible for Moses to come on scene and how these women uh, courageously uh, lived out what they believed. And then uh, midwives uh, fear of God and Pharaoh's fear of losing his power. We compare uh, that uh, different manifestation of uh, fear. And also in our lives, how fear manifests itself, not just in a uh, mode of being scared, but fear could be could manifest itself uh, in false confidence uh, or denial, laziness, uh, uh, finger pointing at others, uh, scapegoating, and so the all these things are different manifestations uh, of fear we have uh, recognized. So today, uh, almost 80 years passed by. That's uh, Moses, he lived uh, in Egypt for 40 years and in Midian for 40 years. And in the wilderness, 40 years. Let me read uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 21 and 22 again for you. Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah in marriage. She bore a son, and he named him Gershom. For he said, I have been an alien residing in a foreign land. I read it for you, two verses. That's a summary of 40 years. Isn't it interesting? The scriptures summarize Moses' life in Midian with two verses. I mean, it talks about only one son. Probably Moses had more sons, more children. But the scripture that is not interested. And Moses probably had many different experiences. Uh, times of joy, times of sadness, and some dramatic events, and uh, all that stuff uh, Moses must have gone through. But just two verses. That's all the scripture writer needed to summarize Moses' life. I want you to discuss that. Uh, what does that tell you? How about your life too? Why only Two verses. Okay. 
when you look at uh, i mean what can what does that tell you about moses life in media when you look at verse uh, chapter 3 verse 1 he was uh, tending the sheep of uh, jethro so he lived as a shepherd a uh, shepherd was kind of low class life not really high class life you didn't you don't need education it's kind of labor uh, labor so he lived his life compare moses life in egypt and moses life in midian compare those two and then try to analyze moses as of now at the time when he was called by god try to uh analyze what moses was like reconstruct moses psychology emotion and his attitude towards life and all these things i want you to spend most of time on that I think there will be a lot of things to talk about there. And then out of nowhere God appeared to him. Sometimes we are ready and there's a progress and we meet God. But sometimes we meet God in a totally unexpected way. like same paul a uh, totally unexpected way he met jesus on the road to damascus and moses he was just tending the sheep and out of nowhere he met god i want you to share your experience of meeting god with each other it doesn't have to be dramatic necessarily but your understanding of god in what meaningful way have you met god and how god approached you and moses saw burning bush that's a symbol of presbyterian church in canada the symbol of presbyterianism it was burning blazing but not burned up not consumed what does that tell you can you kind of see Moses there as a contrast Moses uh, mindset and this burning bush
Now, God reveals his name. Until now, God did not reveal his name. Even in patriarchs, Abraham and Jacob, they didn't know God's name. They just knew him as El. But first time to Moses, God's name was revealed. In Hebrew, uh, there is no vow. Uh, Hebrew describes a meaning through the consonant. So God said, I am who I am. It can mean also, I will be who I will be. Or it can be, I am who I will be. Or it can be, I will be who I am. So there are many, many different ways of looking at YHWH. YHWH. I am who I am. And so they put a vowel to pronunciate. So Y-A-H-W-H-E or W-E-H. So it becomes Yahweh. And then when it, it was described in English, it became Jehovah. In Korean, Yehovah. But uh, Israelites did not, because God's name is so holy, they could not say God's name. So they said, Ardonai. And Ardonai is curious. And curious is Lord. So when you read all, uh, the English Bible, it is written as Lord. L-O-R-D. So that's name. So I am who I am. So important uh, thing that there is I am. God's name is I am. And when it comes to New Testament, Gospel John, John used this I am terminology most creatively and explicitly and assigned it to Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. I am divine. Once Jews most explicitly, uh, John described what Jesus, uh, uh, about uh, this I am. Once uh, Jew, Jews came to Jesus challenging him, uh, this, uh, they said, you're not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus responded this way, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am that I am is a divine name. So we uh, encounter this uh, new God, new, not new God, but new name uh, for this God, monotheistic uh, God.
uh, that we encounter. And then when you uh, when God called him, Moses said, "Who am I? Who am I that I go to Egypt?" I mean that relates to your reconstruction of Moses. Uh, previous question. That is related to Moses' mindset or attitude towards life. So I want you to uh, put uh, put that as a reference. Moses five times he tried to change God's mind, and seven times he said, "No, I will not go." On this, I want you to have this question. God continuously calls him. Uh, he tries to try to persuade him, negotiate with him. And in Korean, 달래고, 타이르고, all kinds of things God does to Moses. And Moses kept giving all kinds of excuses. And then one of the most famous one is, I cannot speak. I, I'm not eloquent. Probably uh, Moses was away from Egypt for 40 years. So maybe he's not uh, well versed with Egyptian language. He probably forgot a lot of Egyptian language. So when he uh, went back, he, he said, I'm a, I can understand, I can speak, but I cannot really persuade them with, with a powerful, charismatic uh, eloquence. That's what he might have meant. Or he just not an eloquent person. And then uh, God said, there's uh, Aaron who lived in uh, Egypt all his life, and he's eloquent, use him. So all kinds of negotiation, pull and push, and all these things are happening. What does that tell you about calling? Is calling only one-sided? Just because you said, yes, sir, I will go. Is that really the only response or proper response. I want you to think about the reality of calling. Well, there are a lot of other things too, but let's just uh, uh, stop here. <laughs> you have lots of questions. Uh, there are a few more, but I think uh, you don't have that much time. So even if you focus on these questions, you will have a lot to talk about. Right? Okay. But uh, huh. John could uh, show his uh, video. Last week, you, you didn't have video. Yeah, last week was so bad. It was it was the worst we've experienced with Wi-Fi. 
Yeah. <laughs> so the changeover came at a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, first question about Moses, a reconstruction of Moses. Life in Egypt and life in Midian. And uh, Moses' life in Midian was summarized by two verses. I mean, I'm trying to teach you how to read the Bible. Uh, if you read uh, on your own, probably you just passed this uh, uh, verse is not as important and just moved on. But when you really uh, carefully look at it, then you uh, got a question, why? How come two verses, only it takes two verses to summarize 40 years of life? Um, how about my life? How do I summarize my life, my 40 years of my life? Uh, things like that, we ask ourselves, yeah. So what do you think? You don't have to explain the whole thing, but just uh, whatever one side, uh, one aspect that you have discovered and you can share so that we can, as a whole, we can reconstruct Moses' life in a way, as much as possible. Um, okay, I'll start. <laughs> we <Okay>. we <laughs> uh, talked about, um, how it was, it might've been because his life was pretty uh, flat and uh, he, he was disconnected from who he truly was. And so probably not a lot of things happened, not a lot of time it, transitions or times of change or anything. So stayed pretty flat. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the way you uh, put it. He was disconnected from himself. That's very interesting way of looking at. When a person discon is disconnected from himself or herself, what does what does it look like? Kind of like unengaged and just going through motions of life with okay, unengaged going through the motion what else there's no passion no passion meaning without meaning without meaning when one is a disengaged or disconnected from oneself, the, the greatest uh, result, uh, the greatest uh, uh, problem is everything is not real. You're not being real. So we cannot really call it real life. We do a lot of things, but there is no, you are not being, you are not real. That's what happens. 
And then can we call that real life? Comfortable life, yes. Safe life. But when something is not real, you don't live it. I think that's what happened to Moses. Life in uh, Egypt was luxurious, but at the same time difficult because of identity crisis, confusion, racism. He lived in that power uh, house. And then there he always felt uh, inferior. So he had a lot of inferior problems and all these things that he went through, but at least at that time, everything was real. Even though life was difficult, it was real. Racism was real. His anger was real. He made a mistake, but that was real. He was real. But in media, nothing. Nothing was real. He just coasted along whatever happens. What do you think? He just creating, I mean, nothing happened in Median, nothing in, uh, important happened uh, to write about, nothing happened, but at the same time, maybe Moses made sure that nothing happens. Hmm. He chose nothing to happen. He framed his life. I was also wondering whether he was uh, regretting his actions in Egypt, right? By getting involved. And then that's why he thought, maybe I shouldn't get involved anymore. Just lay low. Yeah. He was hurt by both Egyptians and Israelites. Hmm. Yeah, and Chris had a good point too. Yeah, so and maybe also beneath the surface, it's almost like he was... Uh, he was just replaying the, that past and uh, um, he couldn't move on from it in some ways too. Yeah, almost like a life was stopped. Hmm. Life stopped. Right? That's why only two verses. Somehow 40 years just stopped. It was almost like he was like, um, it was a defense mechanism. Like he had to, yeah. you know, when you say he's hurt, you yeah. can totally see it to be like, okay, then I need to do this to yeah. not get hurt again. Yeah. Not expose myself. Yeah. Yeah. To protect himself. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Don't you, don't you think he needed that time? Like, I mean, he was coasting. He was not living the real, but. He also needed that time to know what was real. Like, no? I, I, I think well, it's that's, that's good. That's he, good, yes. Maybe he needed that. Hmm. Maybe he needed that. I think he, he had a lot of time to reflect, though. 
Kogisa being a shepherd, he thought, thought about what happened in the past. Mm-hmm. actively So I thought I thought that was the one quality that would God chose Moses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at least he he had time to reflect, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe he, he needed that time before, yeah. you know, uh, reflection. Well, four years are quite long, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe quite a long time to reflect. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe he's the type that like just festers, like keeps thinking and just can't get out of it. So maybe Moses needed God to get out of it. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I didn't, but he, he wasn't able to get out of the cycle. Yeah. On his own. Somehow he was, he was just locked up. In that cycle, then mm-hmm. I did this Bible study with the uh, women uh, over uh, most of them sixty over sixty, and then we had a Bible study on Saturday. And then, isn't that life? <laughs> that's what they that's what they said. Isn't that life? <laughs> Is there more than that? <laughs> I mean, they were real. I mean, what they talk about. Uh, so they were honest. Yeah. But somehow uh, Moses, Moses had everything. He had good education. He was smart. I mean, in Egypt, he had everything within him, but somehow he himself locked himself up. So as I said last Sunday, he was his own worst enemy. He was, he himself was the enemy to his own. Sometimes don't we do that? Sometimes you just cannot get out of the cycle. Same routine. I mean, we're in COVID. I mean, our life is just same pattern repeated over and over again. Sometimes don't you want to get out of it? And I was Lord. mentioning about going to Costco's one, once a week, most likely. <laughs> most exciting event. <laughs> most exciting event, right? I mean, uh, Grace and Will, uh, last time, uh, was go- were going down uh, to Boston. So why are you going down? We missed Target. <laughs> <laughs> that was their routine, the most exciting thing. Missed Target. But you, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I think maybe he needed that time or it was just a necessity for him. But uh, I also see a remarkable, like kind of God's timing, you know, um, while he was in Midian, uh, that's when finally that old uh, king of Egypt died. Yeah. And then a new window opened and somehow, you know, uh, yeah. so it's very interesting. Yeah. You know, sometimes uh, when we cannot uh, take ourselves out of our uh, this this uh, bad cycle. Uh, God comes and helps. God just picks us up, delivers delivers us. So Israelites were slaves in Egypt, suffering, but Moses was in a way slave in his own comfort. Both were enslaved. 
There are people who are enslaved in third world by poverty and suffering, all that, but also in North America, in the first world, a lot of second generations are enslaved in their own comfort. That's why there's so much of suicide and depression and all kinds of things uh, going on. They have everything, but somehow they cannot get out of it. And then that's uh, very difficult too, just to get out of that, that my own uh, uh, bad cycle. We create our own problems within our brain. <laughs> so some, we need God, not only to call us to do something, but we need God to be pulled out of this. Uh, I don't think it's a, uh, necessarily doing something different. It's not about doing uh, something different, but it's a mindset. Even if you do the same thing, your mindset, it's about your mindset. <laughs> so God called uh, Moses out of that uh, cycle. And then, I mean, it's very symbolic that Moses was totally burnt out in Midian. And somehow God appeared to him as a burning bush that burns but not burnt up. Kind of eternally burning. That passion doesn't matter whether you are persecuted or not, but it doesn't matter whether you're hurt or not, disappointed or not, but continuous burning, that spirituality, that's what we need. Not human excitement, but the eternal burning spirituality. Instead of just deny, uh, living in denial, Okay, so life is tough and difficult. I have this much of comfort now. I don't want anything uh, to happen. This is what I want. And then that itself is a graveyard. That mentality itself is a graveyard. The constant desire to grow, start something new, live with excitement, hope, vision, dream. It doesn't matter the age. That attitude towards life, that's life. I was actually wondering why um, God appeared to Moses um, as a burning bush, but your um, explanation is it's actually, it's, it's fitting for Moses, as you say, right? Because he had no passion because God can come. I mean, God came to Elijah 
as a as a, what you know whisper or was it yeah. um, right? So God appears to you in the way that um, that's needed, right, for you specifically mm-hmm. for you. So yeah, I thought, I thought that was interesting. Um, that answered my question because I was wondering why God appeared that way. Mm-hmm. And God could not easily break Moses out of that mode because he was so, so much in that safe safety mode. He rejected, refused, resisted all kinds of things that was happening. But somehow, wonderful thing is, God allowed Moses to question him. To go against him. That's why in the Bible, uh, the scripture says, Moses was not like anybody else. He was like my friend. He saw me face to face. God got mad. God got mad at Moses too. Yeah. So, I mean, their interaction was real. (laughs) I mean, it's like a sound go. <laughs> right? So their interaction was real. Right? He said, No, I gotta, I'm, I'm not gonna go. I can't speak. Think about it, you know. Uh, and then God said, Oh, yeah, God, how about this? How about that? I'll be there. I'll show you miracles. And all kinds of, it's, it's a, that kind of interaction is a real interaction with God. Until he kind of started to have enough and his anger got kindled. Again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right, that's then, enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that interaction, sometimes uh, uh, don't we have uh, such a nice relationship with God? Always thankful. Always be nice to God. But God is not real. In our saying, yes, sir. Maybe deep inside we say no. We easily say yes and then turn around. Deep inside there's no. I'm going to live my life this way. So Jesus gave us a very good parable. Two sons. Elder uh, elder son said, yes, I'll go to the field and work and didn't go. And the second son, no, I'm not going to go. And then ultimately he went and worked. Which one are you? Just be nice to God always. But really deep inside you say no to what God wants you to do. Is that what God wants? The relationship of God and Moses is very unique. That's an envious relationship. As a follower, like you feel like you have to say yes, God. But I think, yeah, I feel sometimes depends on your personality. Like I'm very quiet and withdrawn, and I don't go out there initiative. And I see God puts in, pushes me. Mm -hmm. Oh, there, you do this, and you say no. Why you keep pushing me? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you don't really say it to God, but. That's what you feel, but that Moses was very honest. Said, yeah. You know, and I think maybe God saw that honesty and 
maybe mm-hmm. maybe yeah. two hours. I don't know. But, yeah. That's right. Yeah. But, yeah, he knows what what's good for you, what's best for you. Sometimes I always feel that even though I don't like doing what he tells me to do, mm-hmm. I know it's for my good. It's hard to get there. Mm-hmm. Accept it. It's the hard part. Yeah. I mean, life has to be real. Relationship has to be real. Even if it has to be real. I feel that way a lot when I'm teaching because I'm a quiet person. And to have students just look at me it's very intimidating. <laughs> Not in my nature, but I don't know. God put me there, and so I have to speak to these people, and you know, they they look up to me as if I know everything. I don't know everything, you know. So I just share my, you know, I teach ESL, so I just teach, share my experiences with them. I guess they appreciate that, but sometimes I feel like oh, I can learn more from. I mean, the, the people from all around the world and than me myself teaching them you know, about Canada. Like, yeah. Always feel God put me there. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 even sometimes I don't want to go and, you know, have uh, all the people look at me because <laughs> I'm, I'm very shy. <laughs> I guess you know that, but it's very hard. But, yeah, he keeps pushing me to go there. <laughs> it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> every day, sometimes. Yeah. But then I you mean, feel good afterwards. Yeah. So, I right? mean, God is stretching you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you would just uh, preferably, if you if it was you purely your choice, you'd have just uh, not go. And it just uh, stay in a comfort zone, but God tells you to go beyond the comfort zone, and that's this year's theme: go beyond, right? I thought perfect job would be like in a library, so <laughs> shelving books and just t- taking people to where the books are, not talking. <laughs> yeah. But then I, I thought about that, but then. Somehow, I think God put saying, that's not the place for you, even though I feel comfortable there. And I still think, oh, I wish I had been a librarian. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of talking to people so much. Yeah. But God, I think God knows what's best for us. Yeah. Yeah. So when God nudges you, I hope that we don't say no. Or we can start saying no, but at the end. I hope that we say yes to it. I mean, this time, uh, a clerk of General Assembly, uh, our church, uh, Presbyterian Church in Canada, uh, he emailed me asking me to be a chaplain to the General Assembly. And I said, oh my goodness, how do I ca- counsel all these people uh, who come to General Assembly? I'm busy, but also I, don't, I, feel, I don't feel competent to be able to uh, do that. But uh, somehow God 
I mean, I was kind of asking him question the uh, the clerk, and he said, "Oh, thank you for saying yes." <laughs> Already, <laughs> so uh, I'm kind of pushed into the position. But yeah, I think we need to continuously stretch ourselves. Opportunities will come, and then God will always stretch you. Uh, you, yeah. And then we experience God's power. We experience that, ah, it was not really my power. It was God's power. That was what Moses needed. <clears throat> That's why he even named I am. That means I will be present. God's presence is what's most important in our lives. Whatever we do, God's presence, I am. I will be there with you. And Moses starts experience, started experiencing that God was with him. Next week, we are going to, you are going to look at chapters. You will see totally different Moses. He experienced that God was there. God was real. God became real to him. Anything to add? I found it interesting what Hejong was sharing. And, um, but doesn't, doesn't what she shared, doesn't that make it a more of a pure vocation in the sense that if she were somebody who wanted that attention, who, who liked the spotlight and, you know, that she was teaching, I'm sure there's still some, benefits that the students can receive but it's it can be very self-serving in that sense mm -hmm. but the way that Hejong described it it's um you know it's not like she wants that attention wants that spotlight right um but I'm curious for you Hejong like if you don't if, if you don't mind sharing like what most of you just shared about um you know uh evident like God's uh you know God's power and God's grace throughout your teaching career have you seen moments or evidence of God's grace or power or, or moments of, of that, despite your discomfort of being put in that kind of uncomfortable situation? It has made me more of a mature person, for sure. Mm. And then the fact that a lot of my students are Muslims, that has opened another <clears throat> world sort of that it's not I don't feel like I have to go there and and, and convert them <laughs> it's like they they really sincerely believe in, in their Allah and I respect that um, mm. it's opened a different world and I'm introduced to people you know like from Burundi I never heard of or Burkina de Faso, like, where is that? <laughs> you know, it's really opened up, you know. Otherwise, I guess it would be very sheltered, you know, Korean Canadian life. But 
I've seen a whole world of people and their experiences, like as refugees, as mm. people who have been persecuted <clears throat> in their own country and who had to flee. Mm. So the stories are amazing. Like, yeah, mm. I've learned more actually. Yeah, I've really gained a worldwide knowledge of vastness of people, diversity, and. Mm. And they Sounds like they say that I'm a Christian. I don't really like to say it, but sometimes I, I say, you know, I go to church and I believe. God. And they're very respectful. And they really respect that oh, somebody is, you know, I guess they think most Canadians they're not religious, and but they really respect that God is a God is in my life, as as their God is in their life. So that's very. Uh, learning yeah. <clears throat> it sounds to me that you're like the perfect person to be there and they need you to you know you're they need to see you on the other side as somebody who's warm and caring and accepting and open to sort of their experiences as well rather than having somebody you know who's like this is what Canada is and you must, you know, adhere to these things. And, and uh, so I, I don't know, it totally makes sense that you're a perfect teacher for, for ESL <laughs> students. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. I, I tell them a lot of the struggles. <laughs> Not the, the yeah. Very good. Thank you all for reflecting your life uh, so that we can have an enriched experience about the scripture and also our life and our calling. Uh, so uh, the next week, uh, we are going to look at, instead of chapter 15, I want you, you to read up to chapter 11. It's a little too much uh, to read up to chapter 15 for 10 times if, if you're really seriously doing it. But uh, uh, read up to chapter 11, 10 times. I'm sure James is doing it uh, very faithfully. So I'm giving <laughs> kind of break for James. <laughs> so, and then see how Moses uh, uh, is por was portrayed in that uh, 11 chapters. And then think about plagues. It's all about 10 plagues. Okay. Simon? Oh, yes. You want me to close it? Okay. Um, pardon? Go ahead. No, no. Okay. Uh, yeah, thank you, everyone. Maybe uh, we'll get, maybe, uh, yeah, Grace, if you can close us off in prayer. And then... Okay, let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, uh, we are so um, 
blessed to be able to have this time and reflect on your words and learn more about Moses and how um, and why he is why he was so he was so important and chosen Lord we can relate to him so much and um, and that makes us feel closer to you and and understand um, the potential of uh, living an authentic uh, true life uh, with you by our side the whole time. Um, thank you for this uh, community uh, that we are able to um, share so openly and um, share our lives together. Um, please be with us uh, for the rest of the week as we learn and meditate on the next part and, and learn more about you uh, through Moses. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.